Good morning and welcome to episode 40 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here. I love seeing those reviews roll in. It's great. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. If you haven't had a chance yet, head over to iTunes and please leave a review and a rating for the show. I read them all. I look at them all. It feels good that they're there. So today's guest is the first person to answer our very first pay it forward question. Uh, I love his answer to it. It's actually really funny. His question that he had to answer was, what non-design related book would you take on vacation? That question came from our previous guest, Chelsea McKenzie, and I thought his answer was a riot. It's super fun. Makes sense. So stay tuned for that one right near the end, just before the lightning round, of course. So let's get into today's guest. Today's guest is Andrew Zoe. He is an independent packaging designer out of Vancouver, BC. He's worked with some clients you may or may not have heard of, like Amazon, like Lululemon, like MEC, the Mountain Equipment Co-op. And uh, he knows what he's doing, that's for sure. Now, Andrew is also known for a project that he worked on called the Clifton Box or the Clifton Ring Box. Uh, back about three or four years ago when he did this project, it was featured on Gizmondo, The Die Line, Fast Company, Packaging of the World, um, even Global News, uh, all sorts of news media outlets covered it because it's such a unique and a really cool design for a ring box. Um, really well engineered. So definitely go Google Clifton case, uh, Clifton ring box and see what comes up. It's really, really cool. Another takeaway for me for this episode is Andrew's explanation of packaging design. Now he views it as industrial design meets graphic design because you have the industrial design for the you know integrity of the packaging, the die line development um, to go through all of the processes that that packaging piece needs to go through but also the graphic design side, the colors, the branding, you know, the shelf presence and all of that stuff. I really liked how he explained that. So that's enough of me talking. Let's get into this interview. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Zoe, here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Andrew, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast this morning. Yeah, glad to be here. You ready for a quickie? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's start with uh, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Sure. Uh, I am a independent packaging designer from Vancouver. Um, I originally graduated with a industrial design degree from Emily Carr, which is a art school in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And near the end of my studies, I realized that I wanted to do packaging design. So I have been in this industry uh, since graduating, um, and I've worked with a few different companies in the past. Um, I have worked with Biolitical. They are a pharmaceutical biotech company where I help them to redesign the packaging and the experience for the 
world's fastest HIV self-test. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have also worked on the Clifton case, which is a engagement case that uh, you can hide easily. It's a slim case that was covered by the media around the world. And then most recently, I worked with MEC to revamp their packaging across all business units. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so cool. Most that's... of the companies come to me for these sort of packaging related projects. Yeah, that's a list of heavy hitters. so you took the graphic design school went through that and then near the end of the program went you know what i'm really loving packaging design and you just niched down and focused on that uh i actually went through the industrial design program not graphics yeah got it so um packaging design is actually a very good mix of both yeah i would agree um, because you are essentially creating, you are manufacturing another product. Uh, the only catch is that this product is most of the time one-time use. Yep. So there is a manufacturing end, which is industrial design. And then there is also the graphics end, which is the branding, the print. Yeah. Yep, where the graphic design side mixes in. But you're totally right. It's, uh, you know, you're creating a product to hold a product. Yeah. Got it. So I want to go further back. And what was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that led you in this mm-hmm. direction? And if so, what made it that way? Uh, my childhood. So I am originally from Taiwan. I came to Canada when I was about 12. Mm-hmm. And like most immigrant families, uh, they brought you to another place, hoping that you can have a better future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my parents didn't really want to encourage me to go into design or arts. Mm-hmm. I think mainly because they didn't understand it. Yep. Uh, so growing up, I actually didn't do a lot of um, a lot of art or design related things. Um, yeah. Interesting. A very non related childhood. Yeah, non arts related childhood. You know, it's very common though with uh, you know, like you had mentioned, with immigrant families where, um, you know, the parents and aunts and uncles, you know, are are pushing in more of the stereotypical, um, yeah. doctor lawyer direction, right? Yeah, because they 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 have worked so hard to bring you to this new country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't want you to to end up. Uh, not in a good financial state, I think. Yep, and then that's compounded by, you know, graphic design not being something that's heavily understood by a lot of people, right? Yeah, correct. Hmm, okay. So then I'm interested in sort of what led you to being a graphic designer. What, um, yeah, what, what pointed you in this direction? What was the moment? Yeah, so I took a drafting class in grade uh, 11 and um, I so the, at the end of that class we had a self-directed project where you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. um, basically it's industrial design so um, I designed a cell phone and cool. I really enjoyed the, pro- the process and so by the end of grade 11 I realized that I think I want to do this uh, but I don't know what that was. Eventually, I figured out that it was industrial design. Okay. Yeah. So, so that, it was the drafting class. 
so that project was sort of the pivotal moment that pointed you that you enjoyed that so much that you you just decided you have to head in that direction. Yeah, correct. All right, so then take us back to when you first started noticing design or packaging out in the world. What did you first start seeing? <laughs> I actually never really noticed design when I was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, maybe... Okay, maybe you do. I do notice design, but I don't look at it as a design perspective. Mm-hmm. I am always very fascinated by technology. So uh, when I was young, I loved playing around with like gadgets, like yeah. cell phones, MP3s. Um, these products at the time, 20 plus years ago, oh, almost 20 years ago, it was very rare, but then I was very fascinated by them, and I convinced my parents to get me these very expensive toys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say it was these gadgets that kind of got me into this world of design. So you kind of have this natural curiosity that um, you know you continually pursued, and then that crossed paths with your drafting class and that final project, and the two thoughts came together and then you just put your foot down on the gas pedal heading in this this direction. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Got it. So it was not a, like, I didn't grow up with, my parents are not artistic at all. I don't even know where I got this from. <laughs> uh, I didn't go to an art school when I was young. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was kind of a fluke. I the think. sole creator in the family. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I'm Everybody cur- else is very, very smart academically, and I'm not. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty with that, Andrew. <laughs> um, so what's been the most influential design or packaging of your life so far? Something you've seen or something you've been a part of? Um, I think the one that kickstarted my my career really was the Clifton case, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so... This was actually done in, originally done in school. At the end of uh, Amerika University, you get to do a one-year-long self-directed grad project. Okay. So I designed a series of packaging, and one of them was to redesign an engagement ring case. Okay. Um, And then fast forward a few years later, I decided that, okay, I'm going to update this to make it more than just a proof of concept to actually develop it into a product. Um, And then it got picked up by many different media um, at the time when I had released it. And so it really helped me in terms of my freelancing career and specializing in just packaging design. Interesting. So you felt you had something, you had something there and you needed to expand on just the basic, you know, grad concept that you had. Uh, Yeah. So when I graduated, it was something that everybody told me, you need to do something about this. Um, So essentially it's a slim engagement ring case. So then when you propose, you can hide it very easily. Mm -hmm. And so, but then at the time when I graduated, 
I was just tired from this one year long marathon. Yeah. I've been doing this for so long. I am done. I just want to start working somewhere else and move away from this. Um, and then it's about two years later when I started thinking about freelancing, I started working on this again. And because everybody told me that this is a really good idea you should pursue. So was this the... Okay, because is this the one that got all the media attention? That was the slim case that when you opened it up, it sort of like presented the ring in this like really beautiful, almost like it's held up in the center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a pop up mechanism. Yeah, you're yeah, kidding yeah. me, Andrew. That's yours. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I remember that from years ago. Yeah, it was a few years ago. Yeah, and so I think that really, really helped my freelancing career that's crazy i had no idea you were that guy <laughs> there you go uh, that's awesome yeah that was a really well done piece uh, did any Thanks. any jewelers end up picking that up or did that get some legs under it uh so it was a lot of people were interested in it mm -hmm. uh but then i ended up not uh selling it or anything like the rights to anybody mm -hmm. so it is still uh, with me, and I'm trying to figure out what to do with it still. <laughs> gotcha. And you got that copyright on it, right? Or the, not copyright, but the patent. Uh, the patent, uh, no, I don't have a patent on it. Well, I'll delete uh, that part then. Because <laughs> you got to get that patent, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna, an update to this episode, everybody. Andrew now has the patent, so... <laughs> All right, so I want to know, you know, in this packaging world, or who is a designer or brand that you look up to or closely follow, and what is it about them that you like? I actually don't really follow any particular brand for packaging. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I find that... Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know why either. Um, yeah, I yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but I usually find that I find inspirations from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So, has there um, been um, you know maybe even a painter or illustrator or somebody that you've sort of followed, not necessarily followed along, but kept an eye on, you know, as you've been moving through your career? Um. Not really either. <laughs> <laughs> so what I like to do instead yeah. is I don't really follow anybody in particular. Okay. Um, but I like to, uh, I pay close attention to uh, what is happening in technology, what is happening with um, the world of product design, um, where or even UX, where that is going, where social media is going. So not in particular where uh, packaging design is going, mm -hmm. but uh, the things that is around it. No, that's I found great. that I'm more fascinated by those things. Yeah, that... um, I don't think it has anything to do with packaging design, and, and I don't think it feeds into my creativity at all. But those are the things I, I like to pay attention to. You definitely. A curveball on the question. I like it. I like how you turned that. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging? 
and how did you get through it? Mm. So I, I think there has been two times that has been super, super challenging. The first time is probably when I was in school. Okay. So the first time that I actually did my grad project twice, the first time I failed. Oh, interesting. And yeah. So the, the grad project, there is a midterm presentation, which is in front of all the class uh, in industrial design from, I think, third year to fourth year, including insta industry friends that would come. And I had just completely failed that part. That was a very difficult year, I think. It was very humiliating. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that was the first time. So you failed that in the sense that you went to make your presentation and you feel that you bombed it? I bombed it as well as it was just not a great project. Oh, God. It was a very, uh, it didn't go anywhere, I think. A big I had a good idea. I had a very good problem, but not a good solution at all. Got it. So the second time when I did it, it was when I started doing the Clifton case and the packaging design. That was when I found that I wanted to do packaging design in the future. Um, so I think that was a very pivotal moment for me because I think if I graduated, uh, the first time, mm -hmm. I don't think I would be a, a designer today because I was very lost. I didn't know what kind of design I wanted to do. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that was the first time. The second time was after graduating. Uh, I worked at a, a local supermarket brand that has chains across Canada. Okay. And uh, I think that was when my dreams really shattered, where I realized that in the workforce, uh, it is a very different experience. Um, not so much that I didn't have the skill set. I had the skill set, but I think um, the, the way that you work is so much more than just knowing how to design. It is about people skill. It is about maturity. Mm -hmm. uh, it is so much about that. And I worked at a company, unfortunately, that did not have a great work culture. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very, very toxic. Uh, yeah. So that was a very, very difficult one year for me after graduating. And I, before the year came to an end, I decided that I was going to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Got it. That's an interesting one too, because that uh, you're totally right with, you know, you come out, it's not just about design. You, it's conflict resolution. It's working in teams. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. there's a whole lot more that yes, goes with it. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I think after that and many years of, well, not many years, but a few more years of working in the industry, then I realized that, um, yeah, there is, uh, you need to be realistic in the world. If, uh, where I think when you graduated from the school, you think, oh, I'm going to change the world with design. <laughs> but that is not the case. <laughs> a, few more, uh, a few more hurdles to leap over. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was one of the main reasons why that first experience, uh, why I went into freelancing, 
was because I found that um, after I got over this maturing process, mm-hmm. I realized that in order to actually use what I had learned in school, um, I think at the time the only way I could do it was if I freelanced because then I could really use the uh, design thinking that I had learned. Yep, and then you you sort of own the process, like it's your process, yeah. and you have yeah. complete control over the wins and the fails of that. It's not relying yeah. on others after that, uh, you know, first bad experience you had. Yeah, got it. So, uh, I want to hear about a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. And what was that like? Mm-hmm. How did that feel? Oh. This happens periodically. I think every year there's always something like this. Um, The annual, the annual project. Yeah, the annual. Uh, I find that, okay, let me give you an example and then kind of summarize kind of what the theme that I see Mm -hmm. most of the time throughout these years. One of the examples was um, I had this, Vancouver small business has contacted me to do this um, packaging for them. And there was just a lot of uh, miscommunication mm-hmm. between what they had wanted and what I thought they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the end, it was just this endless revision of change this, change that, change this. And then eventually it was just, oh, it was not a great project that I I would feel proud of at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, every year there's always clients like this. And I, the, the one that I see the common theme is not so much um, that the designer has a problem or the client has a problem. It's more this mutual communication problem mm-hmm. where, because it's so collaborative. Yes. It's not like, um, you're always working with the same sort of person. The way that you you they brief the the, the project to you is different every single time. The the questions you ask is always different because you some clients miss out on some things, or you notice that this client um, is very keen on certain ideation, mm-hmm. and but that ideation maybe isn't uh, what you think. Is the direction they should go. So what I'm trying to say is it's like this. I find that when projects don't work well, it's often when there is this failure of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, there are also great clients and not so great clients. And then the designer's job, I think my, my job now is to, when I meet with a new client, to determine can we communicate well um, are you saying everything that you want? Uh, clearly. Interesting. So then I know, can I work with you? Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that when the projects don't work well, it's usually when those two parties don't work well together. Got it. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's interesting. So each interaction like that that you have, um, sort of that annual communication project where, there, where there's a tough communication spot, um, do you feel that you you sort of learn 
what to watch out for next time. And then that continually yeah. evolves. And hopefully down the line, yeah. that is eliminated just based on process updates or communication yeah. updates. Yeah, that is correct. Got it. Uh, so I got one more tough question before we turn the corner into the easy stuff. Sure. What is something you are struggling with in your design career right now? I think one of the things that I um, that I'm trying to do now is as I'm getting more experience, as I'm um, getting uh, bigger projects, I am trying to land bigger clients. Uh, and I think there is this struggle where how do I present myself as an individual that has this portfolio uh, to a big company where I can tell them, okay, I am one individual, but then I have done, I can do uh, a little bit more than uh, what a usual standard designer can do. Mm -hmm. uh, I cannot do as much as a team of designers like an agency. Um, but I think I sit in the middle, and how do I clearly communicate that to them so that I can convince them of my skills? I think that's the, that's the biggest struggle that I have right now. Yeah, just sort of proving your, your worth and your value based on past experience. Yeah. Got it. All right, now I want you to take us to a project that you have been a part of, that you were the most proud of, the one that makes your heart sing, or maybe even the, uh, big, the biggest design feather in your cap? Um, the most part of, yes, the Clifton case, but then to get away from that, I think the most recent one was the MEC packaging revamp. Got it. Um, so uh, one of the reasons why I'm so proud of it is because it's such a big project mm -hmm. um, they have I don't know how many products that uh, you have to redesign so I redesigned the graphic system for them and I redesigned each business unit's uh, structural packaging as mm -hmm. well so it was a combination of structural packaging and graphics um, across all business units within MEC uh, and it was done over the course of 17 months. So wow. it just wrapped up uh, earlier this year and started launching in February. Mm -hmm. uh, and the whole process was uh, very, very fun. They are incredible to work with. Yep. A lot of creative control. And I got to design some of the packagings that I am incredibly proud of. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, so the final question before I get into the lightning round here is um, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just cannot live without? Mm, I don't think I can live without Pinterest. Pinterest? Yeah. Got it. Uh, Pinterest is um, very easy for mood boarding, for... Um, Research. Got it. Yeah. So looking for that brand feel. Yeah. Cool. So one of the new features on the Quickie Podcast is I give each guest an opportunity to pay it forward with a question. So my last, mm -hmm. my last guest was Chelsea McKenzie. 
And she wanted to ask the next guest, being you, Andrew, what is one non-design book you would take on vacation? Oh, I don't think I have a particular book, um, but I, I don't read design books. I don't read nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only read fictions, and my favorite genre is the the young adult fiction, so like Hunger Games, those very shallow, non-award-winning books. <laughs> so whenever I go on vacations, these are the only books that I will read. Just the and ones. most of the time, these are the only books that I read anyways. It's the ones that you can just kind of get lost in and just forget about it and your brain doesn't yeah, have to work too hard. Yeah, I want it to move very quickly. I don't want to... I don't want to read about your your heavy emotions. <laughs> what a great answer. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, Andrew, so I also want to give you an opportunity to ask mm-hmm. a question of our next guest. And I'm not going to sure. tell you who that guest is, but sure. what is a question you would like to ask of them? Um, I would like to ask them, what was your dream-shattering moment? Ooh. I started asking this uh, with my friends uh, this past year, and it's very fascinating to hear everybody's dream-shattering moments. So would, would I word that as, have you had a dream-shattering moment, and what was that moment? Yeah, sure. Perfect. All right. Now I want to dive into the lightning round here, Andrew. So I've got 10 questions lined up, simple one or two word answers, some of them design related, some of them just to get to know you a little bit better, and some of them just for fun. Um, so are you ready for that? Sure. One word answer. You one, one or two, you know, a short phrase, okay. just a, just a, it's the quick answer. And uh, even if the first thing that comes to your mind is completely unrelated, roll okay. with it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Question number one. Name of your favorite pet from your past. Oh, pillow. Pillow. Nickname, <laughs> nickname only your parents would know. Sorry, can you say that again? Yeah, a nickname only your parents would know. Oh, um, you mean my nickname? Yep. I don't think I had a nickname growing up. You can make one up on the spot if you'd like. <laughs> okay. Um, in Mandarin, sometimes some of my friends would call me when I was young, Acho. Acho. Yeah. Okay, we'll work with that. Um, texting or phone call? Phone call. Oh, interesting. Pancakes or waffles? Oh, pancakes. <laughs> mm. Um, you can have one superpower. What is it? Oh, this is a very good one. Um, the ability to have an internal ruler. So everything, you don't need to use a ruler anymore. Everything you, you know, this is always... You look at I it draw and you know exactly what it is. Three centimeters, I can draw a three centimeter line. I can draw a 45 degree, a 33 degree. Yeah. Wow, that's a good one. Um, I like this one. If you were on Fear Factor, would you rather be covered in spiders or have to eat live insects? Oh, gosh. The spider one. Crazy. Say one word in a different language. 
what should I say? One word. One word. One word. 包装设计师 That's Mandarin.、Um, packaging designer. Oh, perfect.、Um, would you rather ask for permission or ask for forgiveness later? Ask for permission. <laughs> <laughs> Good guy, you.、Um, would you rather do yoga or power lift?、Uh, yoga. All right. And the final question: You can only use one Adobe Suite product for the rest of your career. Oh, <laughs> which which one is it?、Uh, Adobe Illustrator. Illustrator, it is.、Mm. Whew, Andrew, you made it through the lightning round. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I threw you a curveball. You had no idea this was happening. No problem. Awesome. Cool. Well, Andrew, that's the end of my questions.、Uh, I just wanted to quickly say thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. That was great. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Quickie Podcast today. I really appreciate your time. So be sure to check out tomorrow's episode to hear the, that guest answer Andrew's sort of ask it forward question: What was your dream shattering moment? Thanks a lot, and have a great day. See you tomorrow.